have to be so careful about like who I tell what what I do um, sometimes. So like I'm a licensed social worker and sometimes I'll go with that because I'm like, you're not going to tell me about the weird thing you put in your butt. Um, if I just tell you I'm a social worker, I learn the very intimate things about people very, very quickly, but I love it. But I love it. I'm a sex therapist. I work at the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy, specialized in working with alternative relationship dynamics and sexualities. Okay, so reaching out to a sex therapist. Now, this is something that people will sit on for, I mean, years, years before they do it, because it's a really, really scary thing to do. And there's so much shame around sexuality. Um, so I work with well, a lot of erectile dysfunction, which mm -hmm. I like to say erectile disappointment. Um, that's a sex therapist, Dr. Joe Court coined that. And a lot of times it's not a physiological issue. It's more of a, a psychological issue. So um, like dysfunction is just, it's, it's too yeah. much. So erectile disappointment, that's something that men have so much oh, shame around. Shame around. So like to reach out to a therapist and say, hey, can I come in and talk to a stranger about like the most vulnerable shameful aspect of my life every good therapist has a good therapist I don't want I don't want to see a therapist who doesn't have a therapist so like being on the other side of it I so understand that fear and anxiety of like oh my god who is this yeah. person that's gonna like come into the lobby and then I'm gonna share all this too it's it's really nerve-wracking so I mean it starts when someone makes the initial call or when I see them you know in real life in the lobby or if they're logging on to zoom I am really really mindful of just what it took to even make that call yeah. so I, I I go in with like ha just having a lot of respect for people because it, it's not an easy thing sure. to do and but you know I, I said everyone deserves to experience pleasure and sexuality to their fullest extent so it, it it's scary it can be uncomfortable at first but discomfort is how we grow Love that. I totally Very love true. that. And I love that you say, you know, everybody deserves this. It's just a human thing rather than I think people are taught that like sex is this like perverse, taboo, unspoken thing. And for you to frame it as like, no, it's a right, not a privilege. And you don't have to earn it. It just is inherent in being human for you to feel pleasure and feel love. And it, and sexuality and pl experiencing pleasure to your full extent, to your fullest extent, it, that looks so different for everyone. It looks so different. Like for some people, doggy style is like crazy kinky. That's something like, whoa, if we do that, then like if that's, you know, if that's like your edge, cool, enjoy it. For some people, they want to draw blood or, you know, it's like maybe a little more intense. And as long as it's, consensual and all, all that cool so there's it's such a spectrum and it's just so different for everyone so you really have yeah. to figure out your your own brand and there's no shame in that you know what I like isn't gonna look like what you like or what they like and I think that 
we we just have this really mainstream vanilla idea of sex and yeah. when, when they're when we feel something different not normative we, there's so much shame it's like what's wrong with me I get that a lot with foot fetishes which is like one of my favorite fetishes of all time I just love foot fetishes I get that I get a lot of guys with foot fetishes who just have so much shame and they're like yeah, that's so oh interesting gosh. I'm really and, surprised at that and it sounds at least to me I kind of perceive that as being like a more safe fetish or a more and like a more, demure more common yeah exactly. that surprises me that there's there's I mean I get it I guess yeah with the society we live in that anything out of the norm even that is considered yeah you know, shameful and, and I've had guys say like I don't know how I could ever find someone who likes what I Aww. like I know and I'm like wait you think that there's not a person out there who wants to get foot rubs all the time like yeah, you, you can do like let's let's reframe how you're thinking about this seriously that's time, yeah sometimes it's just giving someone permission like no what you yeah. like is cool let's like yeah let's figure this let's out experiment yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, how can we connect you to your community? How can we help you find the the kinkier people? They're out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. So did you, like, is this a calling? Did you know that you wanted to do this your whole life? Yeah. Like, when did this start for you? Oh, it's so a calling. Um, so I was always very interested in sexuality, even as a, like, a younger person. In high school, I went to an all-girls Catholic school. So I had just the the regular standard abstinence only. And I just remember feeling really confused about that. And like, like exploring my, my own sexuality, I felt like this doesn't feel wrong. Like I shouldn't feel shame about my body, but these are the messages that I'm getting. It was so confusing. So when I was 18, I started working at this upscale erotic boutique in Manhattan called Eve's Garden and at first I did it to be like a rebellious teenager guess what mom I'm selling dildos (laughs) I found that it just it just clicked people would come in to buy sex toys for really really significant reasons Mm -hmm. like um, women who had been sexually assaulted and were working on being sexual with themselves again, or people who were trying to enhance their sex lives or trying to figure out things that weren't working, who needed different aids and tools. And I just loved, loved talking with people about their sexuality, answering their questions, helping them figure out what can we add, what can we do. Mm-hmm. I've had so many women who had been married for 30 years been like I have never had an orgasm and I'm ready and I'm like okay girlfriend let me get out let's get the chart out (laughs) let me let's let me show you what we're doing here and it just it felt like okay this is my life's purpose it just I was like this is this is the only thing I want to do I just want to talk about sex for the rest of my (laughs) life and and like help people feel confident in themselves so then I went to University of Delaware I did my undergrad in uh, gender and human sexuality Mm -hmm. and then I went to Widener University I got my master's in social work and then I got my master's of education human sexuality yeah are your parents like super open people so they are you know they were never super conservative but I think that I was always a, a little much and so I like to call it like my, when I came out to my parents about like, I am a, I am a sex professional. Um, in undergrad, I uh, directed the vagina monologues as you do as a young feminist. As one does. Mm-hmm. As, yeah. And so my parents came and they were, my mom and dad were in the front row center. My dad had his camcorder like they did for oh all my, my dance God. recitals. Oh my God. And I come out oh and God. I go, 
my vagina is comfy like a couch and i just see my dad oh behind my his camera like shrinking oh away I love, this. I love this but that's so cool that he's like front and center he's like you know what i might not get this this might not be my thing but like my, oh my kid's God. awesome and she's killing this performance yeah, yeah. So I don't, and I don't think he knew what to expect when he was. I mean, it's a vagina monologue. It's in yeah. the title, so, so you already. Are. It's in yeah. the title. It is. Yeah. So I think that my my parents are just like, oh, this is different, but but they support it. There's so much repression and shame that I mean, even the thought of talking to your partner who mm. you have sex with right. about your sexuality feels too scary. And have you ever heard people joke around about, like, if I die, make sure you clear my browser (laughs) history, right? Which is funny, but it really illustrates how much shame we have. Like, if I die, that's, I don't want anyone to know what I masturbate to. Like, that's the worst thing. That's the worst legacy I could leave behind. That's so true. Like, don't make sure that the right photos are around my casket. Don't make sure you tell my family I loved them. Yeah. Make sure you clear that browser history because it's (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) Good God, that's so true. Do you feel like being a sex therapist gets into your everyday life like how does it affect you as a person in society oh my god you know I it's funny you say that it's like for, for some people your job is just a part of who you are like there mm-hmm. there's some jobs and I don't know I like I can't separate the the sex therapist from Sarah Rosen and so I met a friend's new boyfriend yesterday and um then wound up getting into a conversation about how he maintains his pubes first conversation you know first first meeting uh, material and you know for me that's just like nothing out of the norm but I texted her this morning I was like oh my god Nikki I'm so sorry and she's like he loved it he he thought you were great I'm like okay good I'm not everyone's cup of tea and that is fine but yeah it it spills out into my normal life I have no idea how to censor myself so you sound very fun at parties is what you're saying This sounds like, yeah, you probably have everybody wanting to talk to you. Well, so we have a list of questions, I guess, maybe we'll kind of, like, go through. But I I guess the first one to really start off after those is, like, what's the most common question you would say that you get? Well, the most common thing I see, I see a lot of couples who have just different kinds of sex drives and Mm just, I see a lot of communication disconnect. I see so much shame, so much shame. And it's like the best feeling in the world when you're with a client and you see them take that sigh of like, oh my God, like I'm okay. Like this isn't, this isn't that. So that's really what I see the most of. Let me tell you, foot fetishes and golden showers are like two fetishes that I think or kinks that have such bad raps that are so, so common. So those are things I get a lot of shame about. A lot of threesome stuff, a lot of group sex, mm-hmm. wow. a lot of people are trying to figure out non-monogamy, and that's a whole spectrum. That's really fun. Ooh, jealousy. That's one of my favorite things to work with. So I have to ask you, and this isn't even, you know, on our list, but do you think that jealousy is a healthy part of a relationship, or do you think it has no place in a relationship or something in between? So different therapists have different ideas on this. Personally, I don't think there is room for jealousy because it, it just, it feels so bad. It, yeah, for the yeah. person who feels jealous, like you don't deserve to have to carry that because it's so much about insecurity more than it yeah. is about what your partner's doing. So I, I say we can do away with jealousy because we can work on insecurities. And I just don't think anyone should have to feel that way. It's just, oh, it's the worst. And that makes total sense that it's, it 
usually is rooted in insecurity, like you're saying. And I think that working on the root of it is obviously better than trying to manage the feeling of jealousy. Yeah. And with jealousy, I really like focusing on just changing the way we think about it. So for example, let's say your partner, um, works with a lot of people of the opposite sex and they're always flirting with them, okay? So you can get into a fight every single day with your partner when they come home. Like, did you talk to this person? You're not texting this person. And you can you can have that fight for forever and couples certainly do. Or you can say, oh my God, my partner is like so hot. Everyone's flirting with him and he comes home to me. And like, let your partner absorb that energy of people being into them or flirting or whatever. And then they will go home and give that to you in bed. Wow. So that, I, that, I love that. That is a really like a way to flip the script. And it's, it's such an amazing flip because to nothing's changed, right? Except the way you think about the situation, just like for, it could be a fight or it could be something that enhances your relationship. So why not like use that to your advantage? Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Oh my gosh. And such a good way to think. I wish that I had, um, been told to think about it that way when I've been Mm -hmm. jealous in the past because I'm a big jealousy guy. But honestly, getting jealous or suspicious or snooping, you know, doing what kind of those feelings lead you down, Mm -hmm. uh, it never feels good to be that person who has to snoop or to be that person who is not trusting or whatever. And with snooping, I'm a firm believer in if you're looking, you're, you're going to find, find it. Something. I completely yep. agree. Yep. 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 Don't yeah. look for what and you're if you, find. No, if you look through your partner's phone, like you'll see conversations maybe out of context or nothing good ever comes yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. If you're looking, you already kind of know, I think. Yeah, yeah. You already have your answer. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a minute ago um, about how different partners have different sex drives and sometimes those mm-hmm. don't line up. So mm-hmm. a lot of the questions we got, we like put out feelers and tried to get people to send in their questions, like what you want to know, but are afraid to ask from a sex therapist. And one of the kind of, is this normal questions was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my husband doesn't enjoy having sex. I have to initiate every time. And he's actually turned me down a number of times. Our relationship's perfect other than this. Is there anything you can suggest for a couple like that where everything seems perfect, but the sex aspect of the relationship isn't really there? One person Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. is starting to feel really beaten down and maybe even self-conscious, like, wow, my partner doesn't want to have sex with me. Maybe it's not that he has low T or whatever. Maybe he Mm -hmm, really, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't find me attractive or whatever. I mean, how do you counteract issues like that? So sex is one of the most complicated aspects of a relationship and no two people in the world have the same exact sex drive. No two people in the world are hungry, always hungry at the same time or always sleepy at the same time. So you and your partner are not always going to want to have sex at the same time. That's just, that's just normal. Um, but if you feel like there's, I mean, I, I would be curious if that partner masturbates, that's how I gauge what is your sex drive? Like, um, you know, how often are you masturbating? Are you not masturbating? What, how, what did sexuality used to look like for you? So with that, it's such a case by case basis. It really would depend on, so what's going on with this guy? Is this different from his norm? Right. Or is he someone with a low sex drive? And if he has a lower sex drive and the, you know, wife wants to have more sex, 
there are so many things we can do exploring toys, masturbation. Um, sometimes if one person doesn't want to have sex and the other person wants to be sexual, I, I like the idea of like using toys on your partner. So it's like less pressure. You don't, you don't have to have sex. You don't want to have sex, but you can please your partner. And it's like, you still get the, the benefits of that, like the oxytocin that comes from being intimate with someone, but you don't have to do a whole lot of work. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. a great suggestion. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about working smarter, not harder. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes even like. You know, I don't want to have sex, but I'm going to hold you while you masturbate and be a part of it. All right. So next one is my boyfriend is interested in pegging. I'm worried mm-hmm. he might be gay. Is this normal? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It does. Does a butthole have a sexual orientation? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I get this all the time. I get this all the time. Why? But like it it feels good. If it feels good. Why? It ha- it's this. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I collect my thoughts. I know. I collect right? my thoughts. What would cause a guy or anybody for that matter to want to be pegged? Maybe that like helping to understand why somebody would want something up their beehole um, might right. clear so, up, you know, good, why yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. gay. Yeah. Like that. yeah. 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 So for guys, they have a prostate gland that feels really good when it's stimulated. And I like to think about it where imagine if we associated a clitoris with being a lesbian and you're like no like I don't I don't want you to touch that like that's gay imagine how imagine how much pleasure we would be missing right. out on because of cultural understanding of different genitals that would be crazy and I think of anal as the same thing it's like if you have this part of your body where you can experience pleasure it would be crazy not to explore that in my opinion in the world of butt play there's like strap-ups there's so many types of butt plugs you can get weird with it kind of like as a feminist who doesn't want to just put a strap on and rail your partner you know <laughs> like, exactly. like stick it to them patriarchy yeah yeah <laughs> so then but for for that guy so that was probably such a vulnerable thing that he brought up to his partner yeah. and if they were like no that's oh gay God. can oh. you imagine the shame that person would yeah. live with right. so that's another thing I tell couples if your partner tells you that they're into something and maybe you're like no I would never you don't need to express it in a condescending way right Right. You know, you don't need to say like, that's so gay. I can't right. believe you like that because you're going to create so much di- emotional distance between you and your partner. Yeah. If they are, if they open up to you and are met with like criticism, then they're going to feel so isolated from you. That's and that's true. going to extend outside of the bedroom. Yep. Right. Definitely. Wow. That's such a good point. Yeah. So another fetish that I saw a lot in our questions was like cuckolding. And um, so this one says, my partner is interested in playing out a cuckold fetish with me. Can you explain Mm -hmm. this fetish? Does this show that something's wrong with my partner or our relationship? Oh my God, no. And I think that cuckolding, sometimes it's like the most selfless kind of love, right? Because watching your partner receive pleasure from someone else, it can just be like, I like watching my my partner being happy, whether I'm the person giving um, it, you know, so behind, yeah, giving that or not. Yeah. It's like that's like so. I, I think it's so selfless. I think cuckolding is like such a beautiful thing, but and also it's fun, like to know that because sometimes when you're opening up your relationship, there's like, oh my god, are they gonna be jealous? Is this gonna work? But with cuckolding, you're like, no, they're so into this, yeah. and right. there, there's no doubt behind that. Like it's 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 pretty safe in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I guess, 
in theory, the person who's not getting cuckolded um, is probably into it anyway because they're the one who's getting to be the recipient of this pleasure or whatever. Yes, yes. Like receiving pleasure, having other people receive pleasure off of their receiving pleasure. I, I just think it's cuckolding is great. It, embrace it. And there is this idea of like my my partner wants me to sleep with other people. They must not love me. And I'm like, no, they they love you so much That's that totally you're the opposite. They get off on your pleasure. Right. Like what? That is so cool. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. True. And I never thought of it that way either. too. I yeah. mean, for me, I guess like the definition of cuckolding that I always kind of had in the back of my head was that okay, this person gets off on the idea that my partner is cheating on me and is kind of created like maybe it's those feelings of guilt or whatever is that part of it is that yeah that that that's it sometimes too and that again that's the power dynamic of like um, I'm stepping out with you like I'm stepping out on you like I'm sleeping with someone who's got a way bigger penis than you or like that kind of thing so there's the shame power dynamic and cool if you get off on that great Wow, it's fascinating. It is, oh my gosh. I know. This is like I I'm so glad that we like you said that we right? got this interview. It's just so interesting. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And for every kink and fetish there is, there's a spectrum of that. So again, foot fetish is just like my, my favorite. Okay. So some people love big feet, small feet, clean feet, dirty feet, feet stepping on things, feet dangling then like foot fetishes could extend into shoe fetishes and so wow. there there's that one way to do any kind of yeah. fetish or king think about all these people out here just having missionary sex all the time because they think that there's this taboo and this and that but everything they're missing out on this incredibly expansive world of sexuality that's so true yeah. even just the spectrum you're talking about with foot fetishes they're like that's one thing yeah and one tiny like, yeah, yeah and not but I'm not shaming anyone who likes vanilla sex there are plenty of people out there and they're like missionary is great great yeah do and it's all about doing what feels good for you that's what this is about so next one is and you kind of had something else to kind of maybe yeah, add to this I think this too. one's kind of like a multi-parter yeah um, so I'll, I'll read the question then maybe yeah. you can jump in with um your other thoughts sure. too um so I always feel guilty after watching porn I enjoy it and when I think about it, I don't see anything wrong with it, but I feel like I did something wrong every time I watch it. Is this weird? Another thing I hear constantly, yeah, like wow. people masturbate, and as soon as they like close their computer or whatever, there's just like, oh, like that, that guilt, that disgust. And so there's nothing wrong with watching porn. I think that porn is great. What, what you masturbate to, what you fantasize about, I think that's an extension of the, the shame of what we fantasize about. Um, but also... Like there's ethical porn. So sometimes it's about like, oh, I don't know if they were into that. I just watched right. like a gangbang and I don't like, there right. was a fantasy that I wasn't consensual. And now I'm like, wait, was it? So that can play into the the guilt of watching porn. Um, so for a porn, I love OnlyFans. I'm all about OnlyFans because you are interacting directly with the creator. They get to decide what they do, what they don't want to do. Um, and, you know, you can have that live interaction with them, or you can just purchase videos of whatever content you like. And, well, that's another, I mean, um, if you can swing it, I pay for porn. It's a lot of work to do. Right. <laughs> and that's, that can also eliminate the shame being like, no, this person is being compensated yeah, for right. their work. It's consensual. Right. Like that can be a totally guilt-free experience. So maybe changing the way that you consume porn uh, could could change that level of guilt because 
Like, no one wants to feel guilty after they masturbate unless right. feeling guilty about is masturbating is their specific king, <laughs> which it could be. Yeah. Right? But, but if, I like OnlyFans. I love all the, the cam girl websites because, like, they're, they're home. They're choosing what they want to do. You're, you're tipping as you go. I think it's just, like, such a great platform. So I guess jumping off of that and just, like, still on the porn topic, do you feel like the porn industry has – made sex real sex between couples between whomever has made it better worse do you think that it's done anything to us societally and what we expect out of our relationships like Mm -hmm. what do you think the impact of porn has been okay so I love porn porn is great entertainment it's not education as we know um so we are actually moving away from mainstream porn and it seems like people are more interested in watching real couples or real people have sex. So we're, we're moving more towards the only fans of, of the, I don't know, more realistic depiction mm. of sexuality. So you do have the super mainstream porn that it's not my favorite. And again, I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. Some yeah. people are like, <laughs> really into something that's been filmed in a studio if that's your thing cool um but i you you see things that young boys normalize okay i'm just gonna call it out that way and one of the examples is in uh, god mainstream porn everyone gets a facial that's where that's how it ends like there's so much coming on faces and again if that's like what you like great but the i think that there's a huge disconnect between how much you see that in mainstream porn right. and then like how many people want to practice right. that in real life. Right. So it really makes it seem like the, yeah. there's like the, the jackhammer again, not everyone wants that. And the it's so, yes, I think that watching mainstream porn had, it can definitely have a negative impact on like us just assuming that sex works a, a certain way instead of asking our partners what they like pay for your porn ideally um and that that should reduce a lot of the guilt yeah and sometimes I love I'm only fans just the best all the cam websites and there's my fet that's one that's a brand new cam site where they literally have every single fetish and kink you can think of that's such a cool site I get it I was like what where does that (laughs) I was like yeah yeah Yeah. and I, I love that when there's just a list of every single kind of fetish because it's like you're like, you get to see yourself there. You're right. like, oh, other people like this. This this is a thing that, that yeah. people like look to right. consume. Like, okay, I'm normal. Yeah, yeah. It's out there and yeah, it's on this page. And like not only is like, oh, people are looking for this, and here's someone that I like can purchase content from who is like consensually making this. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah, yeah. I ugh, love it. Love the world of kinks and fetishes and just the the I don't know, the way that people can just be their authentic, weird selves, just push the limits. It's so cool. So this one is a little bit less sex and a little bit more Mm -hmm. jealousy end of the spectrum. So this one is, my boyfriend accidentally called me the wrong name. We had been dating for about six months, and he called me the name of his ex-girlfriend. We were just in a group of friends, and he called me my, her name by accident. I'm embarrassed and hurt. Does this mean anything about my boyfriend's affection towards me? Hmm, that's a tough one. That's I, that. That would hurt. That's ugh. That's that's gotta hurt. And I'm sure the boyfriend felt like crap. And again, I'm I'm thinking about like me 
meeting a friend's newer boyfriend and, and like thinking like oh wait no no his name is and right. it I don't yeah. know that I feel like it it happens we've it all happens been there and, yeah yeah like that I know it must have been so hurtful and embarrassing but like if it's a one-time thing I I would just ugh, get give your partner a break they probably feel bad enough yeah, yeah. oh yeah. he must feel terrible I can't even imagine yeah. oh this is a yeah, good this one is interesting so what's the most kind of like out there or a kink or fetish that you have encountered that like you didn't know even existed you know kind of in in your practice and that's a question I get a lot and it's such a tough question because like what what's normal what's not normal like right. sometimes yeah I don't know like if you want to stick your dick in an armpit like some people <laughs> might say that's crazy and some might be like no I mean it's you know yeah, people do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it sounds like it feels good. It's, it's warm, whatever. So <laughs> I never know how to answer this one yeah. because well, it's I stuff just probably like doesn't phase you. After. Yeah, that's it's true. A, yeah. yeah, it doesn't phase me, and there's never been something that I'm just like, whoa, that's insane yeah. that you like that because anything can be sexy. Yeah, yeah I can't I answer that one. Sense. I mean, it makes <laughs> total sense. Total sense. Yeah. And actually, that's a good thing to hear. I would think if I were, you know, going to you as a patient that nothing, you've heard it all, nothing is going to, you know, make you step yeah. back and go like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Listen, as long as it's consensual, like, cool. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, I love it. You know, you know the level of risk, like, cool. So this yeah. one's a little bit sad. It says, I'm a 31-year-old man and have only had sex one time. It was mm-hmm. very bad, and I've just never had the opportunity to have intercourse since. I'm nervous mm-hmm. that my lack of experience might be problematic since everyone expects me to be experienced at this point in my life. Is oh. there anything that this person or somebody like this could do to feel more confident about themselves and about seeking out consensual sex? Yes. I am going to bring it back to um... – OnlyFans and porn. I know sex work is not yet legal here, but I am a huge fan of consuming sex work. Um, I think that, like, sometimes when working with a professional, you can really like learn about intimacy in a non-judgmental way. Like, they're gonna walk you through it. So I do think that sex work can be super educational and helpful in that way. Um, so I, you know, maybe take a trip to Amsterdam and. Uh, so something I'm doing some research into, which that which would really help this guy out, is uh, VR porn and VR sex. And so, oh, and I met with this porn star. Her name is Ella Darling. She's incredible, and she was the first porn star to film on VR. Wow. And she was starting wow. with this. Th- she was like toying around with this program um, where guys could interact with her, and like they have toys or whatever hooked up to them, or you know, hands, whatever, and like they can interact with her, but she would only respond to like kindness and respect. Mm -hmm. So that could be a way to interact with someone in and like, it's virtual. It's not, it's, it's safe. It's safe. So I think that there are ways to introduce yourself to sexuality and to introduce yourself to being sexual with other people. Um, just like take baby steps and then it makes it more comfortable and they make it easier to approach people in in the real world yeah and a lot of people will argue with me on this and say like going more into electronics and teledildonic that's like the opposite you know we should be but I I, I'm all about it let's let's dive into having sex with robots I'm I'm ready for that world (laughs) that is so interesting I mean like as the next 
step in el- evolution in things. Like, yeah, wow. yeah. And it reminds me of that movie. I don't know if you saw it um, with Scarlett Johansson, where the guy dates his operating system. And, yeah. Um, yeah, they have this really complex, like, beautiful relationship. But, you know, spoiler alert, it doesn't end well Mm. because the computer ends up sort of having this artificial level of intelligence and being able to just do and experience so much more while this human being can only experience her. So she's like, you know, off researching every topic that ever existed while he's like got his dick in his hand. So it's... It's so interesting. I mean, and I'm sure people can go any which way with this topic with is it, you know, worse or better or what for humanity to deal with these kind of robotic and mm-hmm, virtual mm-hmm. reality experiences. So I I really think that there are ways that teledildonics and virtual sex can bring us closer together. Like you, I want to go to a virtual orgy on the moon with people from all over the world. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to do. I think that sounds so cool. So that's something that can connect us with people that we wouldn't interact with in, in you know, our normal day to day. Will there be people who fall in love with robots and are not able to make connections with real people? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But like, that's going to happen either way. Yeah. Right. They're, like, that's just, that's just going to happen. And if you're happy with that, cool. Like what's, I mean, what's the problem? You're not hurting anyone. Um, but for, for some people, I think that you could utilize this technology to, um, to get closer to real people. Yeah. For this guy in this example, this sounds like the perfect way to experiment. You can't hurt anyone. You can't embarrass yourself. Exactly. Exactly. That's such a good point. You can't embarrass yourself. You can't embarrass yourself. Right. Like who's going to laugh at you? The robot? Like, come on. Right. Right. And even like you go to a, a sex worker, like you can literally, I, Oh my God. You can literally say like, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with this. Like, can you help me? And so you know how much like sex workers want to work with someone who's like very kind and respectful rather than like, you know, slapping the money down. Right. Like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's probably what and, makes their day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea of like going to a dominatrix. So that would, depending on what this guy is into, I would totally recommend that because you can have this sexual interaction that like, you're not even touching body parts like they're maybe it's more of like a, a mind did I say fuck mind fuck they're like someone I don't know ties you up and degrades you and like but it's so it's so sexy and it's like oh the attention is on you but because you're you're paying this person and you've like discussed what you want beforehand so it's this way of interacting with a real person in a safe way you can't embarrass yourself yeah. so there are things you can you can do and I just oh I wish we would embrace sex work a little bit more yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting perspective on it too because and I think a big part of it is the fact that it, you know, it's not legal here and so we have this stigma around it that we just wouldn't have because it would be so much safer, more regulated, etc. if it were legal. So, yeah. it's, you know, we have this kind of yucky image of it because obviously the stuff that gets through those illegal you know, right. blocks or whatever is going to be the very, um, you know, the bad stuff for the sex workers and for the people who are purveyors, right. I guess. Right. <laughs> and there's so much consensual sex work. And you're you're absolutely right. If it were legal, it, it would be safer. It would absolutely. be monitored a lot more. Going off of that now, I will work with couples and let's say the guy wants something and the, you know, the wife is like, I, I don't, I don't even know where to start with that. 
you can make an appointment with a dominatrix for like education. Wow. You can say, hey, my husband is into this That's, thing that you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, my husband's into this thing that you specialize in. Like, can we make an appointment? Can you like teach me? You oh can my do God. that with a dominatrix. And if your partner's into something that you're not into, you can even like be a part of it by helping them pick out a dominatrix, meeting with them together and like maybe being in the room and watching the interaction. So again, you're a part of it, right. but like you don't have to do the thing that maybe you don't want to do. Right. Wow. Oh my gosh. I never would have thought of that. No, That's such a great idea for people who are just like, what even is this thing? Yeah. Like, like there are resources out there aside yeah. from just trying to figure it out yourself. Like, yeah. Yeah. You can literally go to a professional. Right, because we go to a professional to fix our, you know, plumbing and to fix our lights, but why wouldn't we go to a professional to fix our sex life and to teach us how to do these sexual acts that might be a little bit more foreign to us? So that's a great advice. I love sending clients to doms. I'm like, here's this dungeon you got to check out. Yeah, so do you have, like, set contacts in, like, the dom community? I don't even know if there is a community. Um, yeah. Yes, yes. So I, I do have some people that I, you know, that because when I refer a client somewhere, I want to make sure it's like something that I can vouch for. Yeah. So I do have different, uh, you know, people in the sex work industry that I do like to send clients to. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I and I oh. love that, like, you know, and I work with a lot of sex workers. That's one of my areas of specialty. And a lot of times sex workers will come and see me be, you know, not for anything having to do with sex, but like, they just want to work with a therapist. who's not going to pathologize their work or he's not going to like blame all their issues. Like maybe you're depressed and a sex worker, but like, maybe, you know, it doesn't mean that you're depressed because you're a sex worker. Like maybe it's like, that's not the issue, but you know, uh, another therapist might say like, if you're having issues, of course, it must be this. Yeah. 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 Um, so the next one is, uh, I'm in a long-term partnership, and I, I enjoy kinky sex with my partner from time to time, but I'm not always in the mood for it. Sometimes I'd rather just have vanilla sex, normal sex. How do I signal to my partner that I'm ready for this kind of sex versus the other kind, or whether I'm not ready? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of planning sex. I love to have a schedule Then people are like, that's not sexy, but okay, so if you're going to have kinky sex, sometimes you need costumes or props or whatnot and like that stuff you have to plan out so I wonder if they could set something up where it's like okay if we plan this out we're gonna do this thing but maybe the spontaneous sex is more vanilla um and I do think that you should be talking with your partner about sex outside of the bedroom Mm -hmm. so that is a conversation to have not while you're having sex and they can talk about that outside the bedroom like hey what like what's a good way to make sure we're on the same page or to check in with you about it because in the moment your partner goes for it and they have this idea of what's going to happen and you don't want it and and then it can be awkward to bring it up or maybe you just think you're not really into it just because you don't want to bring it up and we can avoid those situations by talking about them beforehand I think that's a really good tip to talk about it outside of the moment because that's obviously when people are thinking about it is in the moment but it really yeah. is the outside of that moment. Oh, God, you have to. Having yeah. conversations about your sex life, like things you don't like or things you want to change while you're, while oh like someone's inside yeah. you, it's yes. just like, oh, oh not, not like just well. not the ideal yeah. time, yeah. no. Yeah, and it's so, uh, people's feelings are really on the line in that instance because it just happened, you know, it's very, yeah. fr- or it is happening still. And it's too fresh to have, you know, enough distance to really understand it and to speak on it. 
And that's another thing. I don't, my partner doesn't know how to please me and I don't know how to correct them or they get mad when I correct them. That's, it's such a sensitive topic, but you you know, you, you should, every relationship should be conducive to, to feedback because don't you want your partner to be experiencing pleasure to their fullest extent, to the fullest extent that you can provide for them. So like if something, you know, if your partner would like something else better, ideally you would be open to hearing that feedback and it would be delivered in a kind way. Um, but that's also why I love mutual masturbation because you could like have your partner show you exactly what they like. Yeah. That's That's very easy. Yeah. That's a very good point. So let's say, I mean, and this sort of goes into the next question and like is the next question in a way, um, let's say that somebody is not deriving pleasure from their sexual interactions with their partner and Mm -hmm. it's very vanilla and maybe it's just, it's not getting the job done for you. How Mm -hmm. would you take the steps to initiate that conversation, which can be very painful, embarrassing, Mm. you know, inspire a lot of unpleasant feelings without hurting anybody's feelings and, you know, being gentle about it, but also getting what you want, which is a pleasant experience when you're having sex with your partner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I I think that relationship check-ins should be ongoing. And this is a term uh, coined by the Gottmans. They're um, having cute. a state of the union, <laughs> like every two weeks, or yeah, right, right, where you meet and you talk about what's going well, what isn't going well. So if you have those conversations like regularly scheduled, then it doesn't have to be this whole like we need to talk about something. That's no, the thing. no one ever wants <laughs> oh, to hear God, we, we need to talk. No one ever wants to hear that. So like if there's a sex issue, that could be a we need to talk about our sex life. Then you're already going into the conversation with so much like anxiety and it's just it's it makes a lot harder so you know have consistent talks so that you can check in like hey this thing we did was cool or you you don't necessarily have to say I'm unhappy with our sex life you you can if you feel like that's the right thing to communicate but you can you can keep it moving forward and say hey this would be a cool thing to try I I'm really into trying this like I've been masturbating to this a lot and I think it would be really fun for us to do or like this is a fantasy I have so Maybe try to introduce yeah. new things. Love that. In a positive yeah. way. And it's less about saying you're mm-hmm. inadequate in this way and more, hey, let's try this really cool right. thing. I mean, right away, there it takes the shame out. It takes the blame out. It's and yeah, it's a whole different tone. Yeah. It's about adding something in rather than taking yeah. something out, which is nice. Exactly. Exactly. And with fighting, I always say to couples, don't ever say you always or you never. Those are the worst things, the worst things. You keep it, keep it moving forward. It would make right. me really happy if, you know, we could do more of this or like, right. it made me so happy right. when you did this. Focus on the positive. Well, it's like how they even, you know, tell yeah. to um, discipline little kids or whatever. It's like, if you're always yelling at the kid and not reinforcing like, oh, you did this well, right. you know, it's not going to work. <laughs> It's yeah. the same kind of mentality you get, or what's the saying? You get, you get more, more bees yes, with honey than vinegar, vinegar or whatever. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I'll hear yeah. some, you know, couples hash out in session, never do this. And I'm like, your partner's never going to do that. They're right. never yeah. going to do that. Right. I also believe that we write our own stories, right? So the more you tell someone like you're so messy or this or that, like mm. they internalize that they become yeah. that. Yeah. And probably resent you and don't want to do it even more. Right. <laughs> Oh my God. And resentment is like the worst thing for a relationship. Yeah. That's a yeah, relationship killer. Um, so do you think an asexual and a sexual person can make things work in a relationship? I am a sexual person, but mm-hmm. my girlfriend is asexual and it's causing a lot of strain on our relationship. 
Yes, I've certainly um, worked with people who are, you know, sexual and asexual in relationships. And so there's a few ways, there are a few ways to do this. I mean, I would recommend um, monogamy. I, I think that that's like, but in any relationship, one person cannot meet all of your needs, right? So like, let's say you have this wonderful, wonderful relationship, they're your best friend, you do this and that, but like, they're just not into sex. So like, if you have this perfect relationship, do you not, do you need to break up because you don't have this one thing? Not necessarily. You can have your needs, your, those needs met elsewhere and like, you know, come home and appreciate like, this is my life partner. This is the person that I want to be with. And like, this is where I get off. And and then it could be for your partner. Like, oh, that's a relief. Like, or like, I don't have to do something that doesn't feel good Mm -hmm. for me. And sex doesn't feel good for everyone some people some people are asexual some people yeah. just don't like sex and like that's fine um you can be asexual but not like aromantic that's a good i think really good distinction too. to draw yeah yeah because yeah, you think of it all in one big package but it's not necessarily right so you can have intimacy right. without sex so so there's definitely a way to navigate that um and some people they might be like i you know i'm asexual i don't want to have sex but you know, maybe there are things that I can do for you to give you pleasure. And it's kind of like giving your partner a massage. It's not like it feels good on your hands to give someone a massage, but like you do it because right. it feels good for them. So I think we, we could look at that the yeah. same way. That's a great way to put it. So here's another one that's definitely interesting and sad and has to do with kind of the shame topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it says, I'm a man currently engaged to a woman and I'm in the closet about being gay slash bisexual. Now, not sure where the person falls on the spectrum, but maybe they're like chilling in the Kinsey three area for whatever Mm -hmm, says, mm -hmm. I find that I have very negative thoughts towards LGBTQ anything. I'm not hateful Mm. towards this community, but I'm fearful. How would you go about curing these negative thoughts? And will putting a stop to these thoughts make me gay? Oh, like the word curing it's like there's something wrong with me I need to be cured like that oh that hurts and I mean the negative thoughts to the LGBTQ community that makes sense because it's like you have internalized homophobia or internalized biphobia so it like scares you to see these um you know people that represent a a scary aspect of your life so that's like a projection that totally makes sense and I don't think that means that person hates gay people it doesn't, it doesn't sound like that's the that's the situation and so, and then the second part was, okay, so how do I cure this? So I'm just, are they happy with their partner? Um, like, are they, are they using their partner as like a, a beard because they're, because like they're, they're so ashamed of their sexuality, which is not fair right. to that other person, unless they agree mm-hmm. to that arrangement, which some people do, and that's fine. Talk to your partner, talk to your partner and see like if they would be interested in just exploring a little bit with you and the right, I like to say that the, the right partner is going to be open to, to you finding your happiness, right? So if you're like, this is an important part of my life, this is something that causes me a lot of shame. I mean, I, ideally your partner would want to work with you to find some kind of common ground. If your partner says like, these are your needs and I don't care. Like maybe find yeah, a new partner. Yeah, that's more, yeah. says more about the partner than it does about you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So think about all the people who like the same or similar things who like feel totally isolated but are around like-minded people. Yeah, yeah. it is really crazy to say yeah. that like you're saying it's just across the board, it's kind of the mentality of, of shame so much is like what keeps coming up. So 
Yeah. yeah. Thank God there's yeah. people like you who can like a normalize this stuff and B, just talk to people and communicate with them so that they can express what's on their mind and on their heart and doesn't have to live in you yes. like ooh, festering. Right, right. <laughs> so so much of what I do is just giving people yeah. permission to yeah. be themselves. Yeah. And that's big. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful big. thing. Okay. Uh, have you ever seen a kink damage a relationship beyond repair? A kink damage a relationship beyond repair? Um Yes, when the couples were not on the same page, when they did not have communication, uh, good communication beforehand. Okay. Um, and I've definitely seen, you know, one partner who's really into something who really forces mm. it on their partner. Those situations don't tend to yeah. go very well. That's really that's the biggest problem I've seen of people engaging in. Yeah. In so it really needs to be both people on board then, and at the same level of being on board, where one isn't forcing the other, like you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that everyone has to be right into it. And I mean, like the same way you think about giving mm-hmm. a massage, like sometimes doing a kink could be totally consensual, but it's like, I'm doing this for right. my partner. I want to give them pleasure. So like, just because your you know, partner is like, I'm really into this. There's nothing wrong with you if you're not right into it. There are different ways to navigate that. Yeah. 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 And it's so true. There's a big difference between not deriving pleasure from something not really being into it and being totally against it and disgusted by it Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't really help how you feel but you also won't know how you feel until you discuss it with your partner so Mm -hmm. it's really really a good point and I love the massage metaphor too that's that's perfect yeah 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 because some people will say like but if I'm not into it like that's that's wrong but you you do things that are you maybe you're not into right. that are like that are okay right yeah right, right. like as long as it doesn't feel bad to you right I mean nobody's ever had um like deep-seated emotional trauma from giving a massage unless it was Jeffrey Epstein who was receiving the massage oh my god oh my god Ew. yeah yeah so here's um an interesting one and I think you touched on this a little bit when you were working at the sex boutique but This one says, what advice do you have for someone who has been sexually abused in the past but wants Mm. to be intimate with a partner? This person says, I want to move past these barriers and have fulfilling sexual relationships. Yeah. So what I would say to that person is you so deserve to have good relationships, good sex. You know, no one one has the right to take that away from you. And ugh. It's, it's so important to, to do the work to heal because you deserve to be living your best sex life. So for that person, um, you got to be with a, an understanding and caring partner. I mean, I, ideally in, in any, yeah. uh, in any version, sure. <laughs> um, so there's going to be a lot of conversation about that, that like, you want to talk about your trigger areas, um, emotional triggers, physical triggers, but for that, I really like working with being sexual with yourself first. I'm big on masturbation for survivors of sexual assault. Let's figure out how you can have a positive relationship with your body and your genitals. And, you know, do, do you do things that feel good for you? We don't even have to start with sex. Like, what are sensations that feel good on your body? Uh, just warm water feel good on your body. So let's work towards a place where we can be mindful where you can be sensual and mindful at the same time and then we can escalate to the to the sexual piece yeah so we got to start so slow but Mm -hmm. i i you can heal from sexual trauma and you deserve to yeah and the same for couples who are struggling in sexless marriages 
Um, if you haven't had sex in a year and you're like, okay, so like, how do we just have sex now? I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, like, let's, let's back it up. Let's, let's start over. Like, let's just start with massages. Let's start with sensual touch. We're going to escalate to penetration or whatever sex means for you. Um, and that's going to make it easy. You, you got to ease into it. Yeah. 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 That's, I think that's a really good point that it's a journey. It's not. Yeah. You know, yeah. One step cure all. So next one then is what happens if a client identifies illegal sexual urges like pedophilia, necrophilia? Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a duty to report these things? Are there ways to work through these in a productive and safe manner? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So any kind of, if, if someone tells you that they've assaulted someone like, the, yeah, these are things that yeah. I, I would need to report. Um, but so pedophilia, and I know this, this is a, a tough topic. Yeah. Um, so some people are attracted to children and it's not something that they can turn off, but with that, I like to figure out how we can control the behavior, right? right? The, the thought doesn't necessarily hurt anyone. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's It's an uncomfortable thing to think about, but if someone has that, you know, if that's a part of their sexuality, like whatever we can do to make sure they don't act on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if that's like watching porn with people who are adults who look like minors, right. if that's role playing with a consenting adult, you can have those needs met that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm all about, let's figure out a, a consensual, safe, legal way for you to, for you to, you know, express your sexuality. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm glad that yeah. you draw the distinction between the thought and the behavior um, because you can't really help so much what your natural predilection is or, you know, who you're going to be attracted to. Um, but you yeah. can obviously help how you express those feelings. And um, we actually learned in law school, I don't know if you were in my class on this, but they were talking about like child pornography and just, you know, really uncomfortable topics mm-hmm. like that and the regulation of that. And mm-hmm. they talked about kind of different resources in a roundabout way for people who are pedophiles. And they talked about, like you said, porn stars who look like children or mm-hmm. um, even like animated. Um, I think I was. That's what yeah, I was in your class. Yeah animated porn so consensual love that right because nobody has to get Mm -hmm. hurt and nothing bad Mm -hmm. has to happen Mm -hmm. exactly exactly i oh i I really like that um and and i think about it like just you you don't right you can't control who or what you're attracted to necessarily like you know just like you don't you don't pick your sexual orientation like it, it, it it picks you so it's it's a very very difficult difficult painful thing to navigate um so now necrophilia here it's I feel like there should be a program where you can donate your body to the necrophilia community so that like it could be done in a consensual way that's so true right and like yeah instead of donating it to science donate it to sex right yeah or you can donate to sex and then it can go where's the oh right right the body where's the, the body farm yeah which it's so cool so like I don't know maybe you want to say like a donate me to the necro community and then, right. the, and then the body farm like right. so if I think that so ne- consensual necrophilia can be done just 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 hear me out here it okay. can it can be done it can be done I love that oh my gosh yeah, yeah. so that's that's something to think about yeah yeah 
So here's another one that's sort of on topic with that last one. It says, where do you think the line is between a harmless kink or a fetish and something that indicates a broader, more serious mental illness? Mm-hmm. And that's a tough, I don't have like a specific answer if you draw the line mm-hmm. here. It really depends on how it's impacting your quality of life and the people around you. Yeah. And you know, if you're not, as long as you're not involving like children, animals, yes. human beings that cannot consent, like you, you can go pretty far. I mean, you, some people might consensually want to have the crap beaten out of each other. Like, so Again, like, do you have mental illness if you're if you're into that? I don't think so. But like, if you're if you're like beating people up, not consensual, I say, right. okay, yeah, there there's a huge problem Something here. Wrong. Yeah. So it just depends on the situation how how you're going about it. Yeah. So uh, next one is my partner and I are interested in threesomes. Any tips? Yes. So um, for finding people for like group sex and threesomes. My favorite app for that is called Field, F-E-E-L-D. And it's like Tinder for kinky people. So like- Wow, had no idea that existed. Yeah, it's really cool. So like, that's a good way to find people who are like looking for the same thing. Um, Just making sure that everyone's on the same board, just like make sure you communicate your boundaries. And some people might be like, okay, you know, we draw the line at oral or like penetration is only allowed in, in this context. So just a lot of communication. Um, and if it doesn't go well, if you if you decide to add a new sexual partner into the relationship and you're like, that that wasn't good, you don't have to do it again. And I hear all the time, like, once you do that, you can't go back. But right. like, you can, you right. can. People right. do it all the time. You're like, oh, once, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, we tried this one thing with a friend and, oh, that was, you know, this thing we did. And um, I, I think that there's nothing better than sexual novelty so like Mm -hmm. adding a new person yes go for it that's like that's so fun just make sure it's the right person yeah it must be hard gosh but it's not that hard clearly because there's an app for that that is (laughs) like of course there is though like yeah of course there is is. for everything right yeah so i think that kinky people are a little bit less isolated right now yeah a lot of that is because of reddit i love reddit so much if you ever think you're weird if you ever like just just go to reddit and be like oh wait no no no. there's a thread 10 more of me yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. they're out here but i wonder like do you have any takeaways or like closing remarks or just maybe even like red flags if you're trying to identify a sex therapist to know that somebody isn't for you and your partner or for you and yourself um Mm -hmm. kind of whatever you're willing to say on that yeah for finding a a therapist in general every therapist doesn't work with every person um and that's okay if you find a therapist and like it doesn't click it's okay if you need to find a new therapist and if I mean with talking about sex I if you have any sex issues I really really recommend seeing a sex therapist because a therapist that doesn't specialize in sexuality could uh maybe unintentionally increase your sexual shame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there could be a lot more non-intentional kink shaming because it's just something that someone's not used to talking about. But personally, I think that if a therapist or any professional where sexuality is, you know, a healthy thing that could come up for a therapist that is not comfortable talking about sex at all, I feel like that says more about them right? than it does I about know, like, you. Be a therapist, yeah, I maybe wrong line. I like what I would yeah. be like. Yeah, well, that's you know, like if you can't talk about sex, like that's right. has more to do with your relationship with yeah. sex. Yeah. So, um, and it's if you if you feel embarrassed, if you feel shameful, 
let your therapist know this is a tough thing for me to bring up. Like maybe I have people say like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not gonna make eye contact with you right now. I'm like, that's fine. Like, that's okay. Like, however, however you can get it out. Um, and every therapist has a different personality. Like I can tell you, I use a lot of humor in my sessions. I'm really loud. Like, I don't want to see a therapist like me. I like, you know, my therapist is like more clinical, like even keel. And, but that's different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Yeah, so th- those were such great questions. Those are really fun to answer. Those like were really the standard questions people ask me. So that's cool. Um, so I am accepting new clients. You can find me. I'm, I work at the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy. You can look up our website. I'm on Psychology Today, Sarah Rosen. You can find me on Instagram and now TikTok as the Kink Therapist. So yeah, feel free to follow me. Reach out if you're looking for a sex therapist. I'm always you know accepting new clients love what I do. Love, love, love what I do. So if you feel like you have some shame and you're, you're looking for someone who's going to be like radically accepting, come, come find me. Come find me. I'm here for you.